Okay, welcome to the very first Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim. I'm joined by my good friend, Helen. And together we'll be taking a look at some of the key things that have affected us over these last 18 months or so. And our aim is to give an alternative view to what you perhaps would hear more in the the mainstream. And this isn't because we want to be alternative or uh, dogmatic for the sake of it, but it's because we believe there are narratives that, that need challenging if we're going to have understanding and clarity about how best to tackle the situation that we face. And the topics we are going to be taking a look at will be through the lens of our deeply held Christian worldviews. Our desire basically is to encourage others to think through the issues we face and the issues we discuss and to consider the trajectory that these uh, issues places on. So, uh, Helen, do you want to say a bit about you? Uh, yep. My name is Helen. I live in the southwest. I've been a Christian for many years and um, would describe myself as a lover of nature and of science. Um, I like making things, so I like craft and um, jewellery and pretty things. Um, I'd also describe myself as a questioner, which is probably why we're doing this podcast yeah great uh, that's really that's really important i think uh, to question things is a good thing because that causes us to work out whether this thing is is worth believing or not doesn't it um as for me i i i'm also in the south um a little bit east i think of of where helen is um i've known helen for about 20 years now i think um yeah, I live here with my family, being a Christian. Well, I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't a Christian, grew up in a Christian home. And I think, yeah, I was wondering back to why I question things. I was talking this over with my wife um, the other day. I think it's just how I've been brought up, actually. It's not a bad thing. Like anything in life, it can become a bad thing if you do it too much but certainly for the things we're going to be talking about it's um very much questioning things not to have a go that's really important but to think okay is this the is this the truth and if it isn't if it's a slight untruth then what do we do about it how can how can we respond and a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about are going to be inevitably covid lockdown related but we may well dip in to other things as well. So the, for this first pilot episode, what we thought we'd tackle is something we both came across on the Your Neighbour site. Helen, do you want to just tell us a bit about Your Neighbour? Yeah, I think I stumbled across it on Instagram. Um, probably the best thing is to read their strap line. It says, working with local churches across the UK to restore hope renew community and tackle injustice in the wake of COVID, which um, sounds all very positive. Um, so I had a bit more of a look and um, noticed there was an awful lot about the vaccine. Uh, um, it looked to me pretty much like a vaccine promotion group. Um, so that's when I looked into it a bit more and uh, sent the link to you to have a look at as well. Yeah, and I had a look as well, and it was it was quite um, eye-opening, actually, just how much, well, I think, misinformation that there is. And we want to be careful. We're not, like I said at the beginning, we're not out to 
criticise, but we are calling into question some things that are presented as fact. And we're doing this especially from, well, from our Christian viewpoint and as members of the church, because the church's response to issues that the world face, and at the moment that's obviously COVID-related, is really, really important. And we were both struck by what was presented as fact on the Your Neighbour site that perhaps isn't so factual as perhaps might be made out to be. So on the website, there are some FAQs and some of these we're just going to kind of go through now and and give our viewpoint on, on what they say and perhaps why it's better to question it rather than just take it at face value. So can, the first, can I nip in with one, yeah, one go for it. thing at the beginning? Um, one of the things that I noticed really early on in what they said um, in the blurb, um, I was reading Spread the Good News of the, and being a Christian organisation, I thought, oh, that's good. They're going to say of the gospel. Yeah. But it says Spread the Good News of the Vaccine. Right. Wow. That was what <laughs> made me initially stop and thought, oh, that's not what I expected to read. Yeah, it's... it. Now that you mention it, I do remember seeing that. And I'll say, I I kind of thought the same thing. I thought, oh, wow, this is this would be good. And then you kind of think, get excited and then you think, oh, rats, that's not what what <laughs> what they're going for. And it's it's like, why, why, why are we doing that? Um, and I think I remember that, oh, I don't know what it was, a thing with Matt Hancock a while back when the first vaccine came out and there was a big um, thing in uh, Piccadilly Circus on the electronic screens about how the hope was in the vaccine and it was really kind of hijacking the hope of the world which is Jesus Christ and putting it Mm. onto something which is well may or may not be a good thing we simply don't know at this point um but yeah so that's that is that is really that is a a really important thing to flag up and as as Christians I think we need to realize that that there are there is the grace of God which is general grace that is given to the world in God's goodness, whether you're a believer in him or not, that enables all of us to to live and to function and to have many good things in life. But also there is specific grace, and that's to do with salvation, which is only found in Jesus Christ. And if you reject that, you don't have any hope. And often as the church, we struggle to differentiate between the two. And it sounds like inadvertently, perhaps your neighbour have done that. But who knows? Shall we kick off with the first FAQ? Yeah. Okay. so it says the vaccine was developed too quickly. How can it be safe? Question mark. They raise some points here like there haven't been any shortcuts to produce the current vaccines. Things like scientists weren't starting from scratch. There was more funding available and clinical trial sizes and duration followed strict safety protocols and standards, but were able to deliver results faster compared to other vaccines and what's the other one all parties were involved since the early stages of research and development and because of this regulative regulatory approvals were speedy and so were manufacturing processes cool where do we start here helen (laughs) well i think the first thing to start on is where it says there haven't been any shortcuts which is just not true it's you can't possibly not have shortcuts you can't have long-term trials and condense them into a few months. Um, So there clearly have been shortcuts because there's no long-term data. Um, So that's the first thing. It's just not true to say there have been no shortcuts. Quite often, I think it can take up to a decade to develop and trial 
a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the, the average the average development time for a vaccine varies from between five to five to ten years, but sometimes it can be lot longer than that, and that's because that you know it's obviously developing the, the the vaccine in the first place. But then it's about testing it. It's about saying does it does it first of all work? Is it effective? Uh, but primarily, is it safe? What what are the what are the short term effects and what are the long term effects? And you can't speed time up. You can't you can't have any reliable data on long-term effects until you've actually let enough time pass to to realize whether there's going to be negative effects or not it's uh, no, absolutely it is it is it is a bit misleading to be honest and vaccines are still in a trial um trial stage and the fate the famous phase three trial which many people are, are familiar with now is normally to you know with a few thousand people to work out how effective is it and also to give time for any you know, medium term long term effects that the, va- the vaccines may have and it allows the developer of the vaccines to then go back and and make any adjustments as necessary before releasing the vaccine to market i think just to be to be clear um certainly for the the pfizer bio entech covid vaccine it hasn't been approved or licensed by the the fda in america it's authorized no, emergency it's under- use only um, emergency authorization exactly um so you know essentially we are part of a <laughs> rather large trial it's so, a live trial yeah, yeah yeah so it's 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 this idea that i think the question that was developed too quickly how can it be safe is 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 kind of the wrong question to, to ask really it's like it should be how how long should a vaccine normally take to develop in order to be safe? Uh, and we've had plenty of vaccines in the past to, to know the answer to that one. Right, yeah. should we move on to the next one? Do you want to go, yeah. go well, for just the next one? One more thing to oh, add yeah. to that is that this is also, these vaccines use a completely new technology. So not only is it a new vaccine, but it's using a technology, um, a gene-based technology that has not been used in a vaccine on human beings before. So yeah, that, that's true. That's I mean, important I think, to remember. Yeah, it's definitely true for the, the mRNA ones, isn't it? I don't think the AstraZeneca yeah. one quite fits that category of the, the new technology. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely spot on. It's like the new the new um, mRNA technology, which has been used in other things, but not never before in a vaccine. Yeah. So you're not but only even, Yeah. Go on. Even the AstraZeneca one, um, although it uses a different technology, it's still it is still a new the way the vaccine is delivered is still uh, okay. uh, a gene based. It's it's a different technology, but it again is still new. So, so trials so, are really important, especially long term trials. And and we have a double whammy here, don't we? So we've got the fact that there 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 are new vaccines. So even if it was a standard vaccine where you isolate the virus and you take enough parts of the you know the virus away to make it less deadly. And you use that to to allow the body to build immunity to a virus, which is how a traditional vaccine would work in real numpty layman terms that I can understand. And yeah. um, th- this is not that it's so it's not only a new vaccine, it's com- it's using technology that's never been used in a vaccine before. So, so there's twice the reasons to, to have a proper long term data. And it's almost mind boggling how people are racing to have this thing when we simply don't know but anyway anyway so that that's 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 the first that's the first faq um so the next one is where are we here so has anyone died from receiving the vaccine and um 
the FAQ states in the answer to that one, there were no deaths associated with the vaccine on clinical trials. Some recent cases of people in other countries who have died after receiving the vaccine are not associated with the vaccination. As most of the vaccinated population were elderly, some will pass due to severe pre-existing conditions. That's not true, is it? No, at all? it's not. Well, that statement implies that, well, if there were any deaths, they've only been in other countries. Um, and I had a check this morning on our yellow card system, which we have in this country to report side effects um, from, from any, any drugs or treatments. And for the vaccinations, the total in this country uh, so far, I think it's up to the end of July, mm -hmm. is over 1,500 deaths. Wow. Um, huge numbers of side effects, all sorts of side effects. But just the deaths, that's over 1,500. And they always say the yellow card system is likely to be vastly under-reporting. So yeah. if that's just a fraction of the potential number of people who may have died because of the vaccine, that's a significant number. That is that is a, 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 big, a big number. Uh, I, I read a stat, and you've got to be careful with stats, of course. So take, you know, take this as as maybe with a pinch of salt but um the stat was that today you know taking adverse reactions certainly in america i think this was where they are far far higher than in the uk for obvious reasons because they've got more people living in the country um the 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 adverse reactions to the to the covid19 vaccines were 400 over 400 percent higher than all previous vaccines put together which if if accurate is 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 astounding um now, obviously, you take, you, you, I suppose you could argue, well, this is because this vaccine has been rolled out at a fast pace for lots of people at the same time. And yes, that, that will definitely have a bearing. But surely you should ask the question, if there are adverse reactions and they are significant, which they are, then should we not pause and think, OK, well, what's going on here? Is this still safe? And those questions are legitimate and morally correct questions to ask. And they deserve a proper answer. And at the moment, they're simply not getting one. So, yeah, has anyone died from receiving the vaccine? The short answer is yes, they have, um, sadly. Next question, will we be able to go back to our normal life if I'm vaccinated? The answer to this one is not immediately. We still need to take safety measures such as washing hands often uh, since we're still not sure. This is the FAQ answer, by the way, it's not me saying this. We're still not sure for how long the protection of these vaccines will last and there's still need for more people to be vaccinated. When facing pandemic level disease, no one is safe until everyone is safe. I can't believe I saw that on their site. No one is safe until everyone is safe. That is a pernicious lie. That, that is not their why. own words. Don't, is don't it? say that. What they, please don't say that. You don't need to say that. It's not true. <laughs> but oh, no. I can believe it. Yeah. It's a statement that's been used, I've heard, um, coming from various places. No one is safe until everyone is safe. Um, yeah, I, I what first, does that I first, even mean? I, I don't know. I first, I first heard that from Angela Merkel about oh, earlier this year. And I remember commenting on it at the time, thinking that's just, I think I use the words, it's a pernicious lie, because it is. It, it's just it a, a lie. lie. It's, it's absurdity. Yeah. And it is we a can't, lie. We can't all be safe all of the time, can we? We cannot live a life of any meaning and any fullness if we take no risk. Yeah. And, 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 and safe from what? That's what I, I mean, safe from death. I mean, we'll never be safe from death. Um, safe from catching something? Well, certainly that 
it doesn't stop you catching the disease and it doesn't stop you transmitting the disease. And in the news uh, today and yesterday, it's been very much at the forefront about variants getting past the vaccine. I'm not sure they can, but anyway, that's in the news. So that basically dismantling the idea that the vaccines will protect us from it. So it's all a bit up in the air, isn't it, really? Yeah, we see. I think our society has developed an obsession with safety and yes. I think as Christians, we need to we need to think about that quite carefully, um, because I don't believe that Jesus has promised us a safe life. I don't believe that's the kind of life that God actually calls us to. Um, I was reminded of the uh, quote from the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe when um, Lucy says, um, talking about Aslan, she says, then isn't he safe? And Mr. Beaver says safe. Um, of course he isn't safe, um, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I love that yeah, quote. That's a great but quote. Aslan's not safe. God's not safe, but he's good. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, that, is, that, is so, that is such a helpful quote, and it's so true, that we, we, we obsess about the wrong things. Uh, this we should be focusing on God's goodness, His provision. Focusing on safety is well, yeah, it's just it's it's absurd, isn't it? And well, this, if I, we really, yeah, if we really want to be safe, we shouldn't be getting in a car every day, should we? Well, you, you, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the only the only the only way to be kind of safe physically is to be dead, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> and, quite and, safe. And, and then that opens up, you know, spiritually speaking, that opens up a whole world of potential issues depending on on, on how you've lived your life in terms of what you believe or put your faith and trust in. But yes, anyway, yeah, this safety <laughs> safety first thing, safetyism, it doesn't it doesn't stack up to biblical scrutiny i don't think uh so the next one the vaccine doesn't even stop covid so why should i get it the vaccine will protect you from severe illness or death this will surely be beneficial for your loved ones but you will also be contributing to your community and to the wider nation by avoiding additional pressure on health services really that's coercion isn't it a little bit yes It's it's a health service. It's to serve us. It's not the other way round. No, 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 no. It's we, not we, my we... duty to protect the health service. I think it it's is. It's not our my duty. responsibility not to be ill. It's. I think. I think. Yeah. I think it's. A, we should be certainly looking after ourselves, and that definitely is a biblical mandate, isn't it? To take care of ourselves, body being temple of the Holy Spirit. They're definitely a good, sound, godly reason for us to take care of our bodies, but. That shouldn't be used as a coercive reason to take a vaccine, which doesn't protect you from death. I mean, this idea that vaccine protects you from death, I mean, nothing can protect you from death. That's the first thing to draw out here. It doesn't protect you from getting, I mean, they say severe illness. Yeah, okay. But, you know, we, we again, the data isn't isn't clear on any, any of this yet. And the idea that we're contributing to our community in a wider nation by avoiding additional pressure on health services, well, that's that's totally up for debate and we don't exist to protect our health service and neither do we neither do we desire to put any pressure on it you know no i think a vaccine has always been for the individual hasn't it so a vaccine is for protecting an individual and that decision whether that is appropriate or not depends on the risk to that individual from that particular disease so if you are at high risk from uh, COVID, then you may well decide that you would like to take the vaccine. Um, but that's 
that's for the individual. It's not, it's not for me to take a vaccine for the benefit of other people or any potential benefit for other people or in order to protect the health service. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly, exactly right. And I think that, um, I think the other, the other thing is that there are, well, I don't, maybe we'll get onto this a bit, a bit later on. I don't know, but the, the other treatments that are available and have been proven to make a difference with regards to COVID-19 and this is probably why some people if anybody listens might say uh, oh no here we go you know it's going down going down the wrong rabbit hole but it is evidentially true that that there are um, the things ivermectin for example which can have a positive impact on the impact a positive impact sorry on on COVID things like vitamin D as well that's been that's been doing you know that's been well known for a, since the start actually I think mm. and, and and the strange thing is that these things are safe they're readily available they're reliable they're cheap they're not going to cause you harm and I would have thought that if this was if you know in, in a pandemic that, that that the right thing to do would be to say okay yes we're going to try and develop a vaccine against this disease but also let's look at what else is available and make sure that people have access there because if something's going to help it's worth helping people to save lives isn't it but they've not done that they've put all the hope into a vaccine and that just smells a bit off it's it is a bit of a mystery isn't it because i think it's well known that it's it's notoriously difficult to try and develop vaccines for respiratory viruses. Um, yes. You know, the flu vaccine every year, it's a bit of a gamble. Is it going to work? Isn't it going yes. to work? How much might it work? All that kind of thing. But the vaccine so, for the common cold, which we've had for years. <laughs> well, you would think that the priority would be looking for treatments to to make people well to intervene as early as possible so that they don't develop the symptoms of the disease and that appears to have not happened yeah I'm not quite sure why that is um and the, the focus seems to have been entirely on the vaccine yeah it it, it does doesn't it 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 it, it seems the, the the focus for our salvation is essentially in three things big government big pharma and big tech all historically highly trustworthy, highly honourable, and without question, hold high morals. Anyway, we'll come on to that. Sarcasm is the lowest form of wit, isn't it? So we'll have to try and avoid that, or I will. Anyway, okay, so that leads us nicely into the next next one, which is, I don't trust this government. That's the, that's the FAQ question. And the answer to that is, as on the website, is the vaccination programme is not part of the political agenda of the current UK government and was not the plans of any of the political parties. Vaccines have been a critical apolitical tool to fight diseases. I don't think that's correct. What do you think? Um, no, it's interesting, isn't it, um, how quickly the vaccination programme was developed um, and also how quickly the plans for pandemics were thrown out of the window right yes. at the beginning because yes. they are planned for very carefully yes. for respiratory virus pandemic we had a plan and we didn't follow it no we we we, we followed the uh, chinese communist party plan which was kind of followed partly by the italians and then they didn't think 
it would work here, but they gave it a try and found to their amazement that it did work. That, that um, quote from Neil Ferguson where they thought, oh, it will never work here, but it, but it did. And they were thought, wow, well, let's give that one a, a go then. So the fact the vaccine is very much a political issue, um, the same way as the lockdowns were political, mask mandates were political, vaccine passport. It says kind of suggest that there is no political agenda is is absurd. It, it shows it shows a level of naivety that 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 is that is almost insulting to to people reading this actually. But yeah, I think this this is this is again where we, we can touch on the thing we touched on on the previous one that that other treatments have been shunned that we've mentioned already, even though they they are safe and they can be effective if used in the right way. And it are, and we have to ask the question: if a government is acting in the best interest of the people they are there to serve then surely everything should be brought to the table, especially the things that are known to be reliable, known to be cheap and known to be safe. And in order to save lives, isn't that worth a try? I think so. Well, definitely. And if you can have emergency authorization, and I think the vaccine companies, haven't they, um, all liability has been taken from them. So it if it indeed. all goes pear-shaped, yes. they are not liable. Correct. So that has been done for the vaccine. Emergency authorization, when there's no long-term data, we don't know how safe they may or may not be. And yet these number of drugs, which we have known for decades that have been safe, that appear to have, in some cases, possibly miraculous effects uh, on people if treated early, um, yet they refuse to give them authorization to use. That is, that that, is true. That's a mystery. Yeah, it is. I mean, ivermectin, I believe, is not available on the NHS, for example. So in other in other countries, you can go and buy it in a pharmacy. So you can get in this country a little bit of a faff. But this this doesn't support the narrative that the, vaccine, the vaccination programme is not part of the agenda. It is part of the political agenda, as were, like we said, lockdowns mask mandates and a vaccine passport we have to recognize this this isn't you know people i think are so afraid of being branded a conspiracy theorist i remember having a chat with somebody a few weeks back and i and i, and I just called into question about i think it was masks and immediately the kind of response was oh you're not a conspiracy theorist are you and i'm thinking good grief <laughs> I, mean, I know yeah. it's it's sad, isn't it? When it is, it's um, really sad because people it, are afraid. Yeah. People are really afraid, and it, and it feeds their fear. This thing, this kind of you know stuff, doesn't it? It it does, and it's not wrong to question, and it's not um, it's not following any conspiracy theory to question something and to look into the evidence, to look at what scientists around the world are saying, to read scientific journals, which I I yes. do. Um, and not not everyone likes to do that. I, I understand that, but there's plenty of information out there, um, and I think that's a good thing to do to question, not to just just read something or be told something and accept it as fact. Um, I think it's a good thing. We should we should always do that. We should look into things and find out for ourselves: is this true? Are we being told yes. the truth? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And I think I think partly it's it's. Is it a generational thing? I don't know. Um, perhaps it is because the whole thing of where do you get your news from? And if you get your news from the BBC, you will be at best misinformed. You will not be in a position to make anything close to an informed decision about pretty much anything. 
but you have to take your new you can look at the bbc sure but you need to take news from a whole range of sources you know mainstream newspapers are the same whether it's telegraph guardian daily mail they're all the same they'll all feed you a certain narrative of obviously with a slight skew depending on their political stance but to be informed is perhaps easier than ever now but maybe also slightly more time consuming because you have to you have to look around don't you you have to have your finger on the 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 news pulse yeah there are so many sources of information nowadays aren't there that perhaps weren't available to us before but I think this issue of truth is really important as Christians you know Jesus is the way the truth and the life he is the truth and um all truth is important and should be important to us as Christians so you know it's no good just saying Jesus is the truth and then not being interested in truth in general we yeah. should be interested in truth on every level. So, yes. um, you know, a lie is a lie and the truth is the truth. There are absolutes and we need to be seeking the truth always in everything. Yes. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. And, and I think, I suppose, culturally, even before, you know, all this happened in the beginning of last year, I mean, for a long time now, we've been living in post-truth culture, post-Christian culture. And the idea of absolute truth is is just unthinkable to some people. So the kind of the breeding ground for the misinformation now was rife, really, which is why establishments like the BBC can just just talk nonsense on things. Or what they re- what they actually do is 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 the oldest trick in the book is they'll take a take a truth and just tweak it slightly so that it appears like the truth but it isn't you know did god really say that the you know it is the oldest trick in the book that kind of yeah switching around right look let's 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 move on we we said when we thought let's do a podcast we said well keep it to 20 minutes and i'm looking at the clock now i reckon we've been talking for about i don't know half an hour so we better we better speed up helen otherwise that's the trouble we always chat too much i know i know okay so uh where are we where are we let's have a look okay this is a good one this this i mean this is you know i mean they're all it's like it's like looking at a a, a, um what do you call it a rabbit warren is it yeah yeah you're you're the you're the you're the like farming wildlife expert it's like it's like looking at a a range of rabbit holes deciding which one you're going to go down which one shall we go down yeah Yeah. um so this one what this this is another question from the your neighbor website on the faq sections and and the question is what about the vaccine passport the government is making us all get the vaccine they say this is not true the vaccine is not mandatory it is up to you to attend the appointment when invited your nhs number is not necessary to get the vaccine you may be offered a sticker and vaccine card with the date of the second dose but neither are mandatory documents i like the wording in the answer it is up to you to attend the appointment when invited i mean i read that like it like almost like a subtle coerciveness it is up to, it is your duty to attend the appointment <laughs> when invited that's the language that's the the method of grammar employed maybe i'm just looking into it too much i don't know but but yeah that's what that's what came came across to me anyway i think i think you know it's it that is to be honest disingenuous that that answer uh, well it is becoming mandatory for some isn't it it is indeed it is now mandatory um and the coercion and the pressure 
is rising. Passports, vaccine passports are coming. Yep. We know that now. Yep. Businesses are being actively encouraged by the government to discriminate on the basis of vac vaccination status. Um, you know, maybe churches will be next. Well, so, I, I, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really concerned about it. I think the government are getting the getting the private sector to do their dirty work for them. So the government yeah. is saying we're not forcing a vaccine mandate, but they're coercing businesses to to do it to appear like they're doing the right thing and um yeah i mean i think this is what it's it, it's really all about i have family who live on the continent and um one of them is in france and they were saying not so long ago about macron making it uh, law that people can't even go to hospital without a vaccine passport unless it's an emergency can you believe that and i thought no really is that that sounds a bit far-fetched but, but that's what he's done that's what he's bringing in and it starts with you know blue working care homes then it gets rolled out to restaurants then it gets rolled out to nightclubs and and museums don't think you can go to louvre in paris now without showing whether you've been double jabbed or i guess having a pcr test it's and a this, really dangerous road. It is. It's hugely dangerous and hugely dangerous. And and the government knows. And again, people say, oh, it's a conspiracy. I think, well, really, I think maybe we just need to wake up a bit more because governments know that they make incremental changes over a long period of time and people don't realise and they get used to it. You know, it's the old boiling the frog slowly analogy. Um, but I would, I would love, you know what, Helen, I would love to be wrong about this, wouldn't you? I would love to be wrong. And I'm happy to be wrong yes, about definitely. this. I am that very happy great. to be wrong. Um, I'm not, we're not suggesting this stuff is happening because we want it to happen. We're, we're suggesting it's happening because we can see it happening and we need to actually wake up and question what's happening, what, you know, what's going on at the moment and, and what we can do to kind of tackle it. But to come back, it does bring into question that whole thing of church and, what if church churches say, look, we want to keep you safe. We do church online now. You can access our services online. When you come to church, it, we really want to make sure everybody is, is safe and happy, we want it to be a good environment so we can, we can be the people of God. We can worship freely together. And a way we can ensure we can do that is to open up church to those who have been double vaccinated. So if you haven't been double vaccinated, it's not a problem because you can watch online. But for those coming into the building, we want it to be double vaccinated so we can make sure everybody's safe. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? Wouldn't that be? That's just putting a whole section of society into a box that's not acceptable in church. Do you think that's what Jesus would do? You know, it's like the untouchables, like the lepers. And we read in yeah. the Bible when when Jesus encountered the leper what did he do he didn't only heal him he reached out, out his hand and touched him that was so significant they were the yeah. untouchables they had to live outside the community they had to i don't know ring bells to warn people that they were around to touch him was was just an unthinkable thing to do yeah yeah exactly exactly i think i i i hope I, again i hope i'm wrong on this i hope i'm wrong but my my fear or concern is that the government will try this on because I think they will have been surprised at how eas easily the church as a whole complied with the demands of the government back at the beginning of last year. And right at the start, nobody knew. Everybody thought, you know, 
I think we thought, well, this thing could be the plague and, and there could be dead bodies in the street. Thankfully, it wasn't and there weren't. But we should have realised that a bit sooner than we did and challenged the, the diktats from Whitehall that forbade us to meet or sing or do the things that the Bible calls us to do. So, yeah, if, if, if churches do ask you to show your papers, as it were, on the door, at that point, they will cease to be the church. They won't be functioning as a body of Christ. Um, and that, and no. I really hope that, that churches resist that and, and don't engage that, don't go anywhere near it. But time, time will tell, won't it? We'll, we'll have it to will. wait and see what happens on that one. But I think, I think yep. you know, if you're listening to this and you're worried that's going to happen in your church, then speak to your church leaders and say, look, don't want you to do this. And there's a great, um, what do you call it, um, petition, a letter. No, not petition, open letter, isn't it? Signed created by, is it, is it, who is it? You know who it is, your, your vicars, isn't it? My vicars, yeah. Um, there were a, a group of Christian leaders, uh, Jamie Franklin is that's one it, Jamie of them. Franklin. So yeah. if you... Google, I, I think if you probably uh, search for Jamie Franklin, open letter church leaders, I expect you'd find it. So it's that for any Christian leaders. Yes. Um, and basically saying exactly that, that that would not be an acceptable thing to expect churches to use vaccine passports yeah. um, in yeah. any way, shape or form. The church must always be open to all to um, share the gospel with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think... I think this is where, you know, as, as the church, we can we can do the right thing. We can right the wrongs of last year because I don't think last year will go down particularly well as a high point in the church's history, certainly in this country. No. Um, I think we capitulated too soon and too and way too much. But yeah. Okay, so let's let's move move on. Let's try and whistle through these ones a bit quicker and I'll, I'll try and say less Helen. <laughs> so, okay. So this, this is another, this is another highly contentious one. Do vaccines contain fetal cells? That is the question. And the, their answer is no, the vaccines do not contain any fetal tissue. They employ molecules that have been synthesized artificially in laboratories. That's misleading. It's a classic tactic of asking the wrong question in order to get the desired answer. I yes, think, because the, the, asking the question do the vaccines contain fetal cells well the answer is no and that's correct that's right, but yeah. uh, it's not correct to say that no fetal cells have been used in the production of the vaccines because mm -hmm. they have because cells developed from fetal tissue uh, from an aborted fetus uh, some years ago have been used in the development of the vaccines have also been used in the development of other drugs that's right. um, but that that is that is the truth. So for those um, those people for whom that would be a problem, they they need to know that that is the case. Exactly, exactly. And 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 certainly for the AstraZeneca vaccine, that was specifically from an aborted fetus from the Netherlands in 1973. Now I know you know tissue from that. Uh, it's heartrending, isn't it? Tissue will be used in other other lots of other medical treatments as well. But it does raise a morally a moral question there. Um, and there was a really good article by John Piper over on Desiring God about not doing harm so that good may come out of it. And, and he was tackling this whole question about vaccines that contain fetal cells. And this comes back to that ultimate question, I guess, which we all need to wrestle with of where does my trust in God lie? What do I what do I need to to do because when because when we are faced with the reality of a situation 
that should alter our our method of 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 dealing with it so for example when it becomes apparent to us that these this particular vaccine does contain uh, sorry was developed in fetal tissues well does that raise a moral moral question for us and if it does we then have to make a decision about how we deal with that we can't just ignore it we can't just put it under the carpet and this is where it becomes a matter of of faith isn't it yeah definitely um okay so is this a big pharmaceutical company's strategy for increasing profit? Uh, that's the question. And the answer is, it is not true that vaccines have been deployed to the benefit of one single company or a specific sector. There is not a vaccine monopoly. <laughs> As of February 2021, seven different vaccines have been rolled out in countries. More than 200 additional vaccine candidates are in development, of which more than 60 are in clinical development. All have been researched and manufactured by a diverse range of stakeholders. Well, it's a little bit of a lie, isn't it? Well, I heard a testimony from um, uh, someone in a developing country where they uh, have got uh, labs, state-of-the-art labs ready to run. Uh, They just need the go-ahead to be able to develop the vaccine there, and they were not allowed to. So, you know, you would think that... Um, in the interests of being fair, making sure that every available facility is being used to produce the vaccine, that that would happen. So, um, yes, I don't think that is true. It's a fact that huge profits are being made and share prices in these companies are rocketing. It, it is. It is. I mean, it, AstraZeneca, I know that a lot of publicity has been about them recently because they they've not um, marketed their vaccine or, or sold their vaccines with the correct phrase for you know they've, they've done it at supposedly a cost value although they are looking to increase that um, they are still making a profit however you know as, as a company they're doing quite well uh, Pfizer BioNTech uh, well BioNTech just the last few days uh, they, they've uh, beaten all sales expectations for a second straight quarter uh, profits jumped to almost 2.8 billion euros. And that's on the soaring demand for its coronavirus vaccine. So the idea that that pharmaceutical companies' strategy for increasing profit, that is their reason for being in existence, is to make a profit. And what better way to make a profit than selling a vaccine in a pandemic and a post-pandemic? Well, and even better to have one where... Um more booster shots are needed so to to have a situation where you not only would like to vaccinate the world population but keep on doing it year after year after year yeah that's amazing that 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 is that is and 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 what better way to, to to do that than in collusion with governments who say well you have to have a vaccine passport and a vaccine passport will will time out on you unless you get your booster jab and yet people want to trust Big governments, big pharma, and big tech. Um, I, I've been a, a slight tangent here, Helen, but I, I've always been interested in. Well, let's rewind a bit. If you you know George Orwell's book, nineteen eighty four, and in and in and in the in the book, um, every, it talks about this guy. I can't remember his name now, but he's he's in his flat, and each flat has a, a essentially a television, but or, Orwell has a different name for it, like a telly something or other. I can't remember it now, and. That television's on all the time and the TV, it can also see you. 
and this idea that anything you say or anything you do can be heard by the authorities. And obviously that was a just a terrible thing to think how can how can society get to a point where they allow the government into into their into their living rooms and yet it's strange because now we all allow google alexa is it google alexa no hold on i'm getting confused aren't i is it google alexa no what's it called i don't know i don't don't have one i'm probably i'm probably (laughs) mixing two things up i'm probably mixing google and amazon up here aren't i possibly i have a feeling i am so Google. We know what you mean. Google though. and Alexa. I think Alexa is Amazon, isn't it? Possibly. If anybody's if anybody's watching this, who is techie, they've probably got their head in their hands now. <laughs> you get my point. You're allowing Google, Amazon, and Apple to listen in 24-7. And it does listen in 24-7. It's listening all the time to what you're saying. It has to, because it has to recognize the point when you say, hey Google or hey Amazon. That's how it works. And yeah. there's plenty, there's plenty of um evidenced um, situations where employees from those big tech companies have been able to listen into just everyday conversations taking place in people's households. But the point I'm making is that we've, can, we've, we've accepted that level of, well, not all of us, but many of us have accepted that level of intrusion into our day-to-day lives. So it's, it, we've made it so easy for things like vaccine passports to become a real thing by just... Well, and the, yeah, the NHS app. Oh, yeah. I mean... I can't, I'm not, honestly, I can't, I just can't get my head around the number of people who, who've said, oh, I don't want to be pinged by the app. And I'm like, well, I know, it's like, just don't have delete the app it from then. your phone then. It's like, <laughs> yeah. not difficult. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's a bit of a, bit of a crazy one. Anyway, so, so we could, we could talk quite a while about, about this. And I think I just like to finish by saying, we, this isn't, we're not, might, maybe it sounds like it, I don't know, but we're, we're not out to have a go at your neighbour. We're simply we're simply um, drawing out what they've said and the misinformation contained within what they've said as to underline our main point is that you've got to question things. You've got to um, get understanding. You've got, to, you've got to look at the bigger picture. And as, as Christians, that's what we should be encouraging others to do. And I think you know, your neighbour would have been better served if they'd, if they'd given a, a, a much more open broader answers to their questions and saying well actually you could you could you could have you could look at it in this way but also we have these scientists or these people over here saying this thing so they so basically they are in, they are enabling people to make an informed decision and that's the thing we want to make informed decisions rather than make decisions based on coercion or misinformation and often a mixture of the two so yeah i think as as a church we've got to be got of our wits about us much more now than we perhaps used to yes definitely i think sadly that is the case we do and i think um just going back to their original strap line i'd like to see them really doing what they they said they wanted to yeah. do restoring yeah. hope renewing community and tackling injustice in the wake of covid and over the last 18 months um the amount of poverty and misery and job losses and um plummeting health conditions all sorts of things yeah that the church has something to say about and we as Christians have to say about and I'd like them be focused really yeah I think the government's doing plenty on the vaccine I don't think we need the voice of the church on it (laughs) as well really yeah no I think I think I think that's 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 totally totally spot on Um, because as Christians we we should never 
suspend our critical faculties, should we? And one way to do that is to say, well, the, the, the BBC told me this, so it must be true. Uh-uh. Start from the point of probably the BBC said this and I probably should check. <laughs> and when the BBC have their own fact checkers, well, <laughs> then you're on, <laughs> on a real downward slope at that point. Um, but the alternative actually is a good one because it's basically to say we've got to examine, question, we've got to hold up to the light the things that the world puts our way. And it's in view of those that we um, can view it. We view, we view what's happening in our world with a Christian viewpoint. This life is not it. We have a Lord and Saviour who has uh, brought us eternity with him through his death on the cross. And that's where hope is found. It's not found in a vaccine. It's not found in vaccine. Yes, common grace is a good thing. Of course it is. But ultimately, the eternal grace of God is only found in Lord Jesus Christ. So, and I think that's what we can help each other do, isn't it? And this is what this is what we're wanting to do here. We're, we're not trying to put anybody else down. We are rather trying to get us to encourage one another to to look up. So there we go. Any final words, Helen, before we finish? In just under an hour, wow, you've only gone over. We've only gone over like oh, well ten done. minutes, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a great conclusion. Um, amen to that. Cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll do another episode uh, again soon we're going to do three trial episodes and see how we get on see how we find this and see if anybody listens apart from our immediate family um uh, but anyway yeah thanks for listening and uh yeah we'll be here in the next episode soon bye